we're excited to be with you on this Friday night because we are pretty sure you're feeling a little bit, um, I don't know what, what your moods are today. Mine is a little bit angry because I'm a little upset about the whole uh, testimony today or the defense and the fact that we'll probably get uh, an, you know, an acquittal of this president, which is unbelievable considering the incredible amount of evidence against him. But let's go around, check everyone's mood, see how everyone is tonight. Let's start with you, Greg. How are you? Uh, I, I'm fine. I mean, I know what you mean about being angry. So um, what I've determined is that when Trump's dudes go out, I just don't watch them. It makes me feel better. I don't care what like Micro <laughs> Vanderpeen has to say about whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him before. I don't know what low rent drunk tank they found him in. Uh, but you know, whatever he, he can, he, he's infuriating. And at this point, their job is to troll us. That is what they're trying to do. When Josh Hawley with his fucking feet up, you know, and uh, Grassley like on his iPad drooling over his solitaire, whatever he's doing. Uh, <laughs> Ron Johnson goes and bats his, his eyelashes on the, the TV and says, and, and Lindsey Graham is hysterical on Twitter as Lindsey Graham will be. They're just, it's trying to provoke an emotional response in us. It's more of the same. It's more trying to make us think, oh my God, nothing's going to happen. This isn't working. It's all for nothing. Blah, 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 blah. Guess what? I'm not playing that game anymore. You can talk all you want. If Josh Hawley doesn't need to sit there and listen to my side, I sure as shit don't have to watch their side. True, true. Absolutely right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, Noel Kessler, our special guest tonight. How are you, Noel? Nice to have you back on the show. Nice to be here, Zev. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling? How's your mood tonight? Well, you know, as a New Yorker, I'm always angry. It's yeah. kind of my... Uh, <laughs> that's what we say state. about you. We're, we're like, Noel's really angry, you know? That's, that's, that's angry. I'm an angry dude. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I second what Greg said. You know, this behavior is just designed to enrage us at this point. You know, it's like these the GOP guys are human clickbait. You know, they know they're competing with each other to be more outrageous because then we tweet about it and then their their side sees them as heroes and they make more in donations. And of course, it's all a performance for one person still. You know, the guy sitting down in Mar-a-Lago in his diapers watching this. Um, it can't be just for him anymore. It can't be. What do they get out well, of it? You're right. Oh, it's I for his audience. That. You know, yeah. it's for who's going to be next, you know, yeah. but they basically they saw that this worked. You know, yes, he's going to, you know, yes, he's sort of on trial. We all know he's probably going to get acquitted, but what he started hasn't gone away. And that's proof of that. You know, that's what we're seeing. The fact that these guys could get up and applaud Officer, you know, Eugene Goodman, who is a genuine American hero. Absolutely. And then in a couple of days, acquit the guys, you know, the man who ordered their attack is just the height of hypocrisy. And it is enraging, you know, but I, I also can't look away if that makes any sense yeah i'm kind of yeah. Yeah, i'm kind of in there uh, lb how are you doing it's so nice to see you because you've, you've been a little uh, under the weather this week and now you're back i was a little under the weather but i'm okay yeah it just it's, it's just sinuses it's so dry Worst, yeah. and every year this time of year i get sinus infection but i skirted it um i think Good. i'm okay i'm glad you skirted uh, it thank you uh, and how's your mood um, tell us about your mood after today well my mood i was you know, I, I there's people that I love that get dearly that get very agitated watching the news with what Greg was hitting on of you know, this sort of yeah, and so 
And sometimes you, I'll tweet out, you guys will see what you I'm like, look, don't watch. I'm actually, that's an audience of one for me too, because it's someone I love dearly. I just, I don't want him to have a heart attack screaming at the television. But I think we all need that. We need that reminder. Look, it's, this is about the next three election cycles, which it really is. We, all of these senators have got to go. <laughs> you know, so uh, Lindsey Graham is up in, in three election cycles and he needs to go in six years. Let's get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we just have to vote them out and we have to keep all that energy going and keep our energy directed there, not at the television, at this insanity. However, I will say once I started watching it today, it was like candy for me. Mm. These mob lawyers. You know, that were just sort of shit in the bed in front of everybody. I'm sorry, you guys. That was highly entertaining for me. I mean, they were terrible. They really were bad. They were so bad. And Vanderveen even, he he was imitating different voice inflections, right? He was taking on personas. And at one point, he went full sort of Tony Soprano. Soprano, The guy with the evidence. And he put it in the place. And I don't know where it is. And he starts doing it. I'm like, holy shit. What's going on? It was effective for like 25 minutes. And then it sort of fell apart. It was just like a disaster. It's like Catherine Hepburn moment. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, now it's (laughs) Catherine Hepburn. And then it was like, I was like, this is incredible. This guy, he's delivering on every level of just comedy for me. Um, and then he, and then I was like, is he drunk? He kind of seemed a little drunk there, you know, because he was slurring and it was weird and he kept turning his back. And I loved Representative Plaskett when she would get up, she gave after he's the Vanderveen's the one who, who dropped this sort of old fashioned N word because and then he goes, oh, it was the 60s, right? Because he was reading from something. And from that moment on, she was side eyeing him. Yeah, <laughs> like she'd she get up was there and, fire thing, and then she'd give him a little side eye like. I got my eye on you, you. I know you who you are. And so that was highly entertaining. Yeah, anyway, I think it was entertaining, except for the fact that the Republic. Serious. It's very serious, and it's yeah. our Republic, but I mean, you know, boy, that little thing. put on the, a show. So um, yeah. I'm, the, the rage is coming not just from watching the show, for me. The rage for me is coming because yeah. the GOP is, is, is nothing more than like a, a militant party that seems determined to break up the Republic, that seems to want to secede certain states. I mean, that's sort of, I think, where they're leaning into, is to actually break up the country. I think that's their plan. Um, and they seem to be you know, fully intent on going there without any problem. And we are entertaining them like it's entertainment, but it's not. And why are we sitting there and pretending that these people even follow the rules of law? Because they don't give a shit about it. They don't care at all about the rule of law, and they probably never have. They are now going to execute their plan, no matter what it is, whatever we do, they're going to continue to execute it. And we don't really know what it is. It could be seceding. It could be right. you know, just an armed insurrection. It could be helping the Russians. It could be helping the Chinese. Who knows what they're doing? It's just like we've got this tree this party and they're still there controlling huge chunks of our country and uh there's nothing we can do about it there's no actual law or um or anything we can do to get rid of them well that's not exactly true let let, let's not be you know this process this impeachment trial is is ridiculous because the Republican senators are are going to acquit him. There's no doubt that they're going to acquit him, even though it makes no sense to do so politically or anything else. If they if they convict him, then he's gone. He can't run. So any of them that want to run for president don't have to worry about Trump. So even that, and it, it's not for four more years. Like they have plenty of time 
Lindsey Graham isn't going to not get voted out. He's not going to get voted out in South Carolina because he votes to acquit, right? It has nothing to do with any of that. They can't, they're not allowed to acquit, in my view. And I said this in my piece, and I, you know, I don't think, I think the mob lawyers are there. These guys, the, the, who's worked for, in his own words, uh, the head of the Russian mafia in the United States, when a guy like that shows up, is he there to defend Trump or is he there to intimidate the jury? It seems to me like he's there to intimidate the jury because that guy was kind of scary a little bit, I thought. I watched a little bit and I was like, I, I don't want to watch this guy. Wait, wait, wait. I did like I miss it. something about him being a mob, uh, mob lawyer of the Russian? Well, he's a mob lawyer oh, in the sense no. that his clients have been mobsters. Oh, no, no, oh. no. Showen's one of the biggest mob lawyers out there. He didn't talk oh. much today. Oh, he's really the littler that. guy. That's the observant jury. Oh yeah, oh, oh. No, he's the he's the big one. All oh. my mobsters. Yeah, okay. He's their lawyer. Well, then you know. Yeah, no, he, yeah probably he's was there to intimidate. I would imagine. And, and it's like, okay, but it was I've got the other nobody guy else. that was doing it. Castor. Yeah, Castor was it, it, doing it, the threats. Yeah. What? Whatever. Look, and the fact that they that they are not going to call witnesses. Okay initially pissed me off because I'm like, come on, we got to find out what happened. Let's put it on trial. And yeah. then I thought about it for a minute. These guys are really smart. Raskin is really smart. They, they know what they're doing. And these are the people that are involved that are the house managers are Swalwell and Ted Lou. Swalwell has been on the Trump Russia stuff for four years. He had it up on his website four years ago. These guys, they know exactly what they're doing. So if they don't think they're going to, if they don't want to call witnesses, there's something going on. They're not just going to be like, okay, the witnesses, we're done here. While the FBI is going around arresting people still. You know, it's only been five weeks since this happened. We're, we have to arrest the people. We got to let them sit in rooms and sweat it out. We got to let them turn on each other and go up the uh, the ladder as is done in these kind of things. Roll and maybe, up. maybe if we're it roll them up and maybe if we're lucky, it ends with Randy Rainbow singing uh, Rico, Rico, Rico. They don't seem to be where they're going. I mean, they are going to yeah. Rico. They're going. That's where they. They're yeah, certainly they there's five now uh, Proud Boys that have been arrested and uh, charged under conspiracy charges. There's three. Uh, uh, what are they called? The Oath Keepers that have also got conspiracy charges against them. I mean, those guys are going to sing because half of them are FBI informants anyhow. Um, and so <laughs> that's going to be interesting. These names. It's It's true, though. Yeah. It's true. No, no, they are. The FBI has been in there a long time, everybody. Yeah. No. What did you think about the personal in injury guys? Yeah. The, the attorneys. I, I was, the New York I, attorneys. I, I, well, the Philly attorneys, which is even more mob-like. You know, I oh, wanted yeah, to Philly. see, the, you know, Joey bag of cheesesteaks. If you saw the guy, <laughs> when he, you know, Van, Vander Bean's partner, if you saw him, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the night that they were hired, which was two nights ago on Wednesday night, put out like uh, an article on both of them and showed both of their pictures. And the one they showed, I tweeted out, you know, that name making fun of him. He had like these little sunglasses on and his three chins and he was this overweight, you know, guy, which is no nobody's fault. But he looked like central casting mob lawyer, dude. They changed that photo in the morning. Oh, no. So either, <laughs> either the lawyer or Trump himself called the Inquirer and was like, you better use a better publicity shot. And then he disappeared. We didn't see him today, right? Unless I'm mistaken. I didn't see him in the well of the Senate making any speeches. Oh, and he's mm. one of the two lawyers that were hired. So I feel like Trump is all about image, you know, and he saw that this overweight kind of like just ridiculous looking lawyer wasn't going to work for him. And I think that's why he, that we haven't seen that guy. I also would like to know why Sean, you know, is an observant Jew. Like, wouldn't he normally be wearing 
like a yarmulke? Like, why would he be to. wearing it? I guess you don't have to wear it all the time. He just put his hand on his head every time he took a drink, That's which is an obscure thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a bizarre sort of thing, you know? And you're also defending a white supremacist. But... um. Yeah. And also, also a white supremacist who ordered a hate group that's extremely anti-Semitic, you know, to attack the Capitol. But my point in all this is, you can see the hand of Trump micromanaging this stuff. All and, about the image, all about the right. camera. What does it look like on TV? He wanted to fire exactly. Castor, right, on that first day, on that first really humiliating performance. Uh, right. He didn't. He didn't come back. But uh, it's all about managing a show for him. As it was exactly. on January 6th, you know, that video, I don't have it here to play, but that video of them backstage where, you know, um, Don Jr. is guys filming this video and it looks a little high and a lot high and Kimberly Guilfoyle's <laughs> there and doing, you know, you got to fight, you got to fight. And, uh, you know, it's, and, and, and behind them is Trump, like overseeing the whole thing, like an executive producer, like, what are you doing in there? You're the exactly. president of the United States. What are you doing in there? You know, you shouldn't be sitting around, but you shouldn't be sitting around exec producing the production and being exactly. seen to do that. And he's like picking, you know, Gloria as the song to play while they're and, ramp amping up the crowd, which I mean, why? Why Gloria? Exactly. He's watching, <laughs> he's, he's watching on the monitor, like go to camera too. Yeah. You know, roll tape on this. And he yeah. would do that on the beauty pageants. I mean, that's Trump's MO. He, he loves to step in on the production side of things. He would walk into the TV truck 20 years ago and tell him, like, get a close up on her breasts. But he wouldn't say breasts, you know. Yeah. But um, so, so if you're starting an insurrection, remember, it's YMCA by the village people and Gloria. Those are the things by Laura Brannigan. Those are the songs that will ramp up, amp up your crowd to attack the Capitol, apparently, as, as proven by Donald Trump. Um, the big thing today Wasn't was- Wasn't that in Flashdance? Wasn't Gloria from Flashdance? Oh, I don't know. No. That the, was a good movie, actually. The, really enjoyed Flashdance. Dancers. Gloria. Yeah, I don't I think there was that. Was. Well, maybe you're right, maybe you're right. Do you like Flashdance, guys? Maybe you like that movie. I love fans of that movie. I thought it was a good movie. I've never seen Flashdance, but I love the song Gloria, and my wife hates it, and it's one of the big arguments that we've had for oh. 20 years. Like it's, it's one of the things we really almost violently disagree on. Because Now I, it's I dividing America. I, I so she can't stand they, it. Yeah. <laughs> so I hate the Trump. It's almost like she won the argument now. I'm like, she I, did. She, she did, it's over. She did. <laughs> she did. It's time to delete that track. Um, I won't ask more about 80s mu music, but I will ask about the fact that the president, um, the former president, apparently did not know, according to his lawyers, that his vice president was being hunted down by a group of uh, angry <laughs> militias and that he uh, was, was taken away by the Secret Service. Apparently, according to the lawyer today, he did not know that this happened. Absolutely impossible, right? I mean, there's no chance in the world that he did no not way. know that he's that his vice president was under that kind of threat, and that the Secret Service would have just uh, evacuated him, and that he, of course, he'd just spoken to the senator from Alabama, the new one, Tuberville. 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 Coach, Coach Tuberville. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who and, told him all this information? Right, and it's not just that the vice president, also the Speaker of the House and the Senate pro tempore, yeah. or whatever you call it. So it's the third, the second, third, and fourth in secession you know, right. in line for the right. government. There's no way in heck that the Secret Service didn't tell Trump what was going down, you know, yeah. which is curious that they didn't move him to the bunker or something. It's true. Why yeah, gee, why didn't they move Trump to, right. to security? Oh, my God, I wonder why. That's Couldn't good imagine question. why. Good question. Mm. Well, he certainly yeah. knew. He knew that Pence, he was watching. He Because he knew that Pence didn't stop the stop the process didn't do what he'd asked him to do 
and and then and then he knew that he was gone he was taken out and that he didn't do what he was supposed to do and then he sent that tweet so he, he was watching yeah. he saw he, what we saw he was watching i don't do know it. what kind of feeds the president gets maybe the president gets you know maybe the president can see the the inside the i don't who knows he gets, he gets actually there's a live but, camera apparently a live like a map that tracks every secret service person at every main uh a main person that's so got secret service protection there so you can see exactly where everyone yeah. was exactly where everyone was and he could certainly find out he's the president and yeah. people are certainly informing him yeah one thing i was missing is remember on the night because we were on air and it looked like zev and then it looked like it kind of people were being escorted out we weren't seeing all this stuff we saw it outside look rampagey but we didn't see the violence really and then and then it just looked like the tour for the adult children was over their rampaging tour and they were all being escorted out it's like oh there they all go but there was something that happened that night where people were reporters were on it and the and it went into the next day where it was that the governor of maryland was saying yeah they right. called me to try to call in the national guard and i couldn't technically do it yeah and so I was a little disappointed that we didn't get that brought into this hearing because there there's a governor that could talk about the timeline and what he was trying to do and the calls that were coming into him and the calls that he was trying to make and everyone trying to get a hold of the president and the president wasn't taking anybody's calls and he wasn't doing anything and this chaos around the National Guard. Right, and then there was that reporting that it came into the Pentagon and the and, and the Pentagon said, Why? They're peaceful and the Capitol Police chief said not anymore they're not peaceful anymore and there was a scramble of ev for everyone but donald yep. to try to get help in there because donald was the only one with the authority to do it so and then and then there was reporting that mike pence is actually the one who called it in and then they had you had a, a constitutional experts coming uh, on television and other in other channels saying something happened here did we have a de facto uh, 25th 20, yeah. the 23rd 25th amendment because why would how could mike pence have the authority to call in the national guard if that reporting is true so i would have liked to just have that been replayed for all of us because i feel like it was chaos of the moment and it never got sorted through even if it's still chaotic and we have missing holes just so i say this is what we know, right? This is what we were able to find out. And the only, the person who could answer all these questions is Donald Trump, and he refused to come in. So when Raskin finally got there today, that was brilliant. I mean, he just, it was all of a sudden someone flipped a switch on Raskin, and he was like, and now in two and a half minutes, I will eviscerate this whole thing. And he did it like two or three times in a row. It was brilliant. It was the, it's the it's critical very, thing, very I think, good. in the entire uh, case. It's going to really challenge the Republicans that are somewhat centrist with, is the fact that he would just completely fail to protect them. I mean, he just did not send the National Guard in for three hours and 30 minutes. Two hours and thirty minutes. I'll get you. I'll get you this thing. That's you know. That's a not just dereliction of duty. That's an accessory to murder. I mean, that's just every you know. That's just awful. Uh, and and you know, wrecking the Constitution potentially and putting all these people as lives at risk. Um, and I think that is going to be the thing that they really are going to struggle with. I, you know, I know everyone says it's a foregone conclusion, and I believe it's a foregone conclusion. But there must be something going on in Mitch McConnell's head that's saying, for preservation's sake, for even for the preservation of the of the country, but more of his own preservation, he must be making the calculus of what would what does it mean if we tank uh, Trump right now? Like, can they really do it? And they can. If Mitch does it, a lot of other people will follow Mitch. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. 
Um, and he certainly indicated before that he would do it. Uh, and this particular case, this particular instance of the delay in sending in the National Guard, I mean, that's personal. That's the president didn't come and save them personally. You know, he left them for dead. I think that's going to really impact um, each of these senators. Now, I'm not saying it'll change the, the, the vote because God knows I've said that too many times in the past and nothing's happened. But it is interesting that that particular thing, I think, will really challenge them. Will you know, it, though? I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll be brief. I, I don't think that this was such a big secret in D.C. I think this is probably why Bill Barr retired right before Christmas. I think, like, you know, yeah. word was out that they were going to try some super hinky stuff. You know, their last-ditch effort was going to be on January 6th. That's why they basically had stand-down orders at the National Guard. They weren't allowed to bring batons. They weren't allowed to wear riot gear. You know, the, they, they put in all these levels of, like, you can't send anybody in at the Pentagon. He did the firings at the Pentagon in preparation for this. And like LB said, you know, Steny Hoyer called Larry Hogan in Maryland, you know, which is Maryland is, you know, a half away. a mile yeah. from the Capitol, you know, and it was like, you need to send somebody in here. I'm hiding under my desk. You know, can you call up the National Guard and get them from Tacoma Park down here or something? And Larry was like, I'd love to, but I can't invade the Capitol, essentially. You know, it's a federal jurisdiction. Like, I need a green light before I can send them in. I got the boys that are ready to go. We'll come down there now and take care of business. And then Larry kept getting shut down. You yeah. know, he was on the phone, working the phones, and they're like, no, sorry, we're told you can't, we can't authorize that. We're not authorized. So this, the plans were in place. And I think Donald Trump thought he was going to get away with it. And I think he would go as far as, as people, elected officials getting hurt. You know, if it meant he got to stay president and now become the king of America, so to speak, he would have been all for that. So I think they thought it was going to work. I think it didn't work. It kind of went south and got a lot uglier and crazier than they planned on. But his base is still there. And Mitch McConnell and those guys, because they have no morals and no scruples, respect that. You know, they, they know that there's still this huge element right. that 70 million people voted for this jackass, you know, who was capable of doing this. And they don't want to turn their backs on that because they're greedy and it's money. It, you know, Donald Trump spent $50 million on this thing, right? Mm. He was paying for these buses that came in. You know, this cost money. You know, the yeah, people that are handing out... Your next guest can speak to this better than me because she was there. But this wasn't just an impromptu, hey, let's walk up to the Capitol. And yeah. I walked on Capitol Hill. I, I, I was a bike messenger. For uh, you said that earlier. Did you guys yeah. know this? He was a bike messenger. When I was 18 to like 22, Amazing. I was like a ski bum. And then I'd spend three quarters of a year in D.C. And I was the in-house bike messenger for the Congressional Budget <laughs> Office. And this is the late 80s, early 90s. So my job was basically to sit in the library all day at the budget office. And somebody would say, I need H.R. 2816 delivered on K Street somewhere. And I would walk across the street. And back then, the house doc, you know, house, house, house document room was in the rotunda of the Capitol. So you'd go up there and you'd write down the resolution number you needed. They'd hand you the document. I'd put it in my bag and I'd ride downtown. So my point is it was my job to be in that building every day and I got lost. Oh yeah, you it's know, apparently possible to get around there. It was designed to confuse you, yeah. you know? So you didn't just come off a bus from Ohio and find your way to the speaker's office. You know, to all these other offices, you didn't just make your way in there unless you knew what you were going. You know, so this is planned. It's planned. And you know what? Let's do uh, what you, exactly what you suggested and bring Sandy 
Bacon in here. Here she is, Sandy Bacon. Hey. How are you? Hi, jazz hands. You ja you've that great jazz hands. Can, you, can, I, can I share? I know it's really rude off the top to share how old you are because I just think yes. it's amazing. Yes. Do you want to tell people? I was how old born, you are? actually, I was born in Washington, D.C. on October 14th, 1944. Oh, wow. Because there was a war going on and my dad was in the Navy. The original Antifa. Like my dad. <laughs> so you've seen you've seen you've seen some things in your life. You've covered a few things yeah, as a reporter. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Well, and I haven't been a reporter. I was a producer for forty years. This is recent, fairly recent. So you, this is like a late career change for you. you yeah, I got my press pass at seventy. Yeah. Wow! 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 What made you do that? Um, I lost everything, and oh. uh, that was I a long, boring story. <laughs> okay, we won't go I there. lost everything, but I had a camera. And I started shooting uh, breaking news. Yeah, amazing. And I was in Charlottesville. Charlottesville was the kind of game changer for me as a activist and uh, bearing witness to uh, the the rise of fascism in America. So you're an activist journalist. You would describe yourself as that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a video journalist. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love the tape that you put together for now. Uh, this what's called now this news. Um, so maybe we should play some of that. And but do you want to set it up for us? Because there you are wearing a gas mask. Tell us what you were doing there. I pitched to now this a few years ago. Um, I said I'd like to follow the only thing between Donald Trump and jail, which is the MAGA movement. And I've been shooting it for about four years. And they sent me to my first rally in Minneapolis a couple of years ago. And a woman said to me. I'd take a bullet for Trump. Wow. And that's when I knew what we were dealing with. And I've heard that since then. So there were three Stop the Steal rallies. Stop the Steal was Roger Stone's um, brainchild when Trump was losing the first time, I think 2016. Yeah. Uh, and so they were setting up, if I, I, you guys probably know better than I, but they, um, they were setting up if he did lose, it was obviously stolen. Right. So the first one was November 14th. Now, I had a history with the Proud Boys. I shot the uh, video, the attack video on the streets of Manhattan a few years ago where they uh, they had a fight with the Antifa. They were leaving the Republican Club. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so I have histories of death threats from the Proud Boys. So, I mean, these GOP pussies. Can I say that? You I can mean, say anything you I want. I have death threats from these guys <laughs> and I still go back and film them. And they're afraid that they're going to have their families attacked from the monster that they created. I mean, it makes it just, I'm incensed by it. Yeah. So the first one was November 14th and there was a lot of people there and it was at Freedom Plaza. There was a lot of people. And then the second one was December 12th and there was the most Proud Boys I'd ever seen in one place. And I believe that they were uh, dry runs for what happened on the 6th. It was the same organizers. It was the same speakers. It was Roger Stone, um, uh, Alex Jones, uh, Ali Alexander, uh, Nick Fuentes, whose gripers mm -hmm. kept chanting, Christ is king, Christ is king. <laughs> Christo-fascists. Yeah. This one was the most Christo-fascist of all three of them. Lots of God talk. It was a holy war. They were calling for a holy war, my experience. So let's take a look at this. Uh, it's two and a half minutes, the first two and a half minutes of what you did for Now This. And uh, it looks at uh, January 6th from your perspective. 
the night before, Alex Jones came out and he was fire breathing. The spirit of God is with The election was stolen and we have proof. We don't quietly take the election fraud. We don't quietly take the scam. This will be their destruction. They were ginning up the crowd to a frenzy. Are we going to fight like a Flynn tomorrow? They said something really special is going to happen tomorrow. We can't tell you yet. The morning of January 6th, I went to the Washington Monument where Trump was to be speaking at the Ellipse at 11 a.m. When I got there, there were tens and thousands of people. I saw the Proud Boys arrive, and I followed them as they marched to the mall and headed towards the Capitol, and they were chanting, F*** Antifa, F*** Antifa. So I went back to where Trump was speaking, and we waited another hour till he came out. I really believe that Trump delayed that speech for an hour while we sat in the cold to give everybody a head start on that insurrection. We will never give up. We will never concede. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. He wasn't. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. I wandered down to the Capitol, all my friends were there already, and by the time I got there, a lot of people there, and they were starting to go over these barricades, they were cement, they were, you know, they were like built into the thing. There were guys, they were almost like monitors. There were guys with megaphones. They were like corralling them, and they were telling them what to do, and they did everything these guys said. So that's amazing reporting there. Uh, but you Thank had you. two great points at the end of that are just worth clarifying. Tell us more about the people with the megaphones. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you know, the uh, pink hat lady, the yeah, Rodan Farrow lady. wrote about her. This yeah, week, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, when she when he interviewed her, she said, I mean, there was a lot of weird stuff about that, because she wasn't found yet. So he's got this scoop. But she said, Oh, I'm just a mother of, you know, and, and uh, somebody handed me the mega, <laughs> handed me the bullhorn. Well, the reason they handed her the bullhorn was because she had a battering ram in her hand before that. <laughs> and all had all of them had the same bullhorn. And she the first time we see this woman was on CNN. Nobody talks about this. It's a shot from inside. And she's got her meg bullhorn in the window. It's like a transom or something. And she's yelling directions to people. Right. right? That was the first time we say, where's the, you know, where's the pink hat lady? So these people were going, we, they went to the, um, uh, to the Capitol, but there was literally tens of thousands. How I don't many, know. How many people with megaphones were there? Know. Oh, I don't know. I'm re actually working on a video now of what I experienced because my friends who were, at the bad part, my photojournalist friends were at the door when it was being breached. John Farina, my friend, shot the guy being crushed. You know, uh, mm. one of my friends, Aaliyah mm. from Scootercaster, she was uh, inside. And, you know, they, everybody's got post-traumatic stress. It was so horrible. So I got there late because I wanted to see Trump speak. 
So he was an hour late. And the Proud Boys left the um, Washington Monument. I saw them gather there. And they were dressed in regular clothes, not Proud Boy clothes. Uh, but they had this orange hats and orange nice. tape. Nice. And uh, I followed them for a while. And they left at 1040 and walked towards the thing. The, uh, they didn't say they'd listen the, to Trump. They just moved towards no, the Capitol. No. And they stationed yeah, they, there, and this was in the south side. Advanced, right, that they were, advanced team. Yeah. They didn't advance. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they and they were the first a, to breach. And you know who was in, you know, now going back over my footage, because this happened in Charlottesville, is that I filmed um, James Fields all day, but I didn't know it was James Fields. He was the guy that drove uh, the car until I, you know, people started. You know, the great thing about the anti mask movement <laughs> is that. None of these people were masked. wearing masks. On it. That is funny. So they're all being doxxed, you know, for the footage that we have. You know, because the role of the journalist is so important. We learned this from uh, Charlottesville. All of my friends, we travel together. We go to Klan rallies, and you know, we follow right-wing extremism for uh, the, since Charlottesville. And what we do is just shoot everything that's there, document, bear witness to what's there, and then, you know. So what I found in my footage of the Proud Boys was that um, Joe Biggs, who was, uh, you, you know, Enrique Tarrio, I never trusted this. He was arrested the night before the 12th. He was arrested with am yeah. ammunition, right? Right. Does anybody know the details of that? I don't know, don't had, know the details. Just, I don't know if he had ammunition. He might have in his trunk, but he was arrested. Yeah. They knew he was coming. Now, I do know that people were getting this sort of tap tap of, you know, because they, 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 there was knowledge that this that this violence was coming and these leaders were coming, and and there is yeah. reporting now, public reporting now of the the leaders were getting this sort of knock knock of from the FBI going, if you show up for this, we will arrest you on the spot because they they had their comps, right? right. Well, they so, were in Virginia so and some Virginia, of them home. Some of the worst ones, is open carry. Back. You can have uh, weapons yeah. in Virginia, but he was, but he, yeah. he had ammunition, but he had a record. So he, he's facing some time, but I, I never trusted the timing of that. So he wasn't at the 12th and the 12th was the beginning of the violence. There were four stabbings. My friends covered, uh, one of the proud boys was stabbed at this bar. They hang out at Harry's bar there at the Harrington hotel. So, uh, there was a lot of violence that night and the, 12th of December. Yeah, that was a very violent night. Yeah, it was really scary. This, this by the oh way, is the picture God. of the Proud Boys as they were wearing yeah, that. That's, that's Joe Biggs on the left with this the, guy uh, here um, with the, with the uh, flannel yeah, top. Yeah, but the orange hat. So that was an indicator that they yes, were. Yes, exactly. The yeah, Proud they Boys. were wearing and these orange because they weren't wearing Proud Boys stuff because they didn't want people to know who they were. So they made this decision and, and Enrique said that they weren't going to wear um, I think they were communicating. Joe Biggs, I filmed. He was at the um, Washington Monument. Tell me how we're doing for time. He was at the Washington Monument. Uh, they all met at the Washington Monument like 1030. And I went back and I see him and this guy, Pizzola, who was the first guy to breach the, broke the window. Mm -hmm. And he was in, uh, he was arrested and charged with, I don't know what he was charged with. Now five of them uh, have been arrested but, for conspiracy. And I think he's one of them. Both of them in my video were at that meeting place at the um uh washington monument and they had a a, a clear coil earpiece mm -hmm. they all had it and somebody told me on twitter they dm me they said that that's uh military that the mm -hmm. the 
clear coil one is a military issue or something. Uh, they so also they have the megaphones or the Proud Boys who had the megaphones? I don't, I don't, uh, Joe Biggs did, I think, okay. later. See, and so people, what were the, can you just see, can you explain what the megaphone people were doing? Is, is there one central they person? They were, look, I filmed a thousand protests in yeah. New York and yeah. other places. And there are monitors at the, you don't just randomly bring a megaphone to a protest and start yelling directions. It's right. just not, you know, not if you've done. ever been to the Women's March or any like really huge protests. It's organizers, you know, these people who run the, run those. They're, they're those monitors. They're, they're, called, yeah. they're called marshals, actually. Right. They, yeah, and they tra they're trained. They're trained in crowd uh, movement. Uh, so uh, I noticed when I got there, so if these people are going to go to March 2, we're going to March 2, I'm going to be there with you, which is total, not, he didn't do it. Um, and then apparently there's a video that I saw that Alex Jones was saying, come to the other side of the building. Trump's going to meet us there. 